Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Right, that'll do, Jordan. Thank you. But in a moment, I do want to ask you, what are you fighting for? But firstly, let me say a big uh, happy Grandparents' Day to all the grandparents out there. And I can't believe I'm old enough to be a grandfather, but apparently I am. This is my little granddaughter uh, up on the screen. That's little Aurelia. I am teaching her to swim. My goal in life is to hear on the TV someone announce in lane seven is Aurelia from a Australia. So that is uh, my little girl. I teach her to swim every time I see her. But uh, I remember people telling me that, you know, being a grandparent would just melt your heart. And I thought that was soft. And uh, then I got a little granddaughter and I started to know what they're talking about. She's brought so much joy uh, to my life, to our whole family in the last uh, 12 months. It's been an incredible gift. But I do want to ask you today, what are you fighting for? What is it that you are fighting for. Some of you uh, today, you know, you might be uh, fighting for your business to stay open. There's a whole bunch of fighting happening out there in the community right now. Uh, Some are fighting for our borders to be closed and some for our uh, borders to be opened. There's all sorts of fighting in the political world. Some of you are fighting for your livelihood. Some of you uh, are fighting a a health challenge right now. You know, some of you, you know, are fighting with somebody that, um, you know, you see uh, the world differently with at the moment. What are you fighting for right now? See, there's some fights that we're in that really aren't worth fighting for and we should stop fighting. And there's some fights that we're in that are so important we must never stop fighting. Some of you might be here this morning and saying, well, I'm actually more of a lover than a fighter. I I don't want to fight anything or anyone. You know, I uh, played uh, rugby for a, a team in uh, Sydney that it was known for its fighting. You know, some teams are known for their, you know, brilliant attack or their solid defence or their kicking game. Dundas Valley Rugby Club in Sydney was known for fighting and fighting dirty. And so every week when the fight started, I didn't want to fight. And so everyone knew I was the pastor. And and so I had to find somewhere to hide. And so I'd go looking for the littlest bloke on the other team. And I'd grab a hold of him. And I'd say, look, I don't want to fight, do you? And uh, sometimes, you know, we succeed. We just cuddle each other until the fight finished. And sometimes I picked an angry little man. And he snotted me right in the nose. And it was on. But I want to talk today about a fight that we're all in, whether we like it or not. I want to talk about a fight that is actually worth fighting for. It's a fight that we should never give up on. It doesn't matter how old we get. It doesn't matter, you know, today whether we're a, a mom or a dad, whether a brother or a sister or an auntie or an uncle or you're an old grandpa like me. It's a fight that we're all in, whether we like it or not, and it's a fight 
that is worth fighting for. It's the fight for your family. Your family is worth fighting for. And we are living in a time right now, you know, when the family is being torn down, the family unit is being torn apart. You know, we're just seeing, I was talking with, you know, the, the leading uh, psychiatrist in at the, the Brisbane Children's Hospital uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And he's just saying it's just carnage out there in families at the moment. There's so much pain. It's just accelerated uh, this year and we can't keep up. You know, the, the family is under attack in, in this society that we live in right now. The family is sometimes is under financial attack, under moral attack, under relational attack, under spiritual attack. But, but families are under attack and we're all in a fight for our family. And so I want to take us way, way back today way back to a, uh, a time when uh, a man named Nehemiah called, you know, all of the people to fight for their families. It was a time when uh, Nehemiah was, was acting as the leader in Jerusalem at the time, and he was leading the people to actually build a wall around their city to protect their families which was really important in, uh, in the society that they lived in back then. If they didn't have a wall around their city, then they had no protection you know, for their family when invading armies came. And so he's building a wall to protect their families when they would come under attack. And they are under attack. They've been working hard and they're weary from their work. And you might see yourself in this in different ways. And right now you're just feeling weary from the work that you're called to do. They had an enemy that was undermining their efforts constantly, just putting them down, just ridiculing everything that they did. And everywhere that they turned, they saw bad news. Every time they turned on the telly, every time they listened to the news, they just saw bad news. I love Nehemiah's response. If you've got a Bible, open to Nehemiah chapter 4. I love his response. When this is happening, they're weary... They've got an enemy undermining their efforts and everywhere they turned is bad news. This is a message for us today, whatever place you play in your family. This is what he says, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse uh, 12, it says, no, verse 14. He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes, and our God will fight for us. This is what I want you to remember today. When you fight for your family, the Lord will fight for you. God actually thinks your family is worth fighting for. When you fight for your family, he'll fight for you. God loves families. God designed families to be, you know, a safe loving, caring, nurturing place for everybody of all ages to learn, to grow, to belong. And when we choose to fight for our families and we choose for fight for our families to be all that God designed them to be, all that he had in mind for them to be, he'll fight for you. And so this is a message for all of us today. Whatever place you play in your family, we can all fight for our family and the Lord will fight for you. Thankfully, we don't have to punch anybody. Thankfully, it's a different kind of fight that we're invited into, and every single one of us get to play a role. Firstly, 
we get to fight on our knees. Listen to what uh, Nehemiah did when the enemy is coming against them. It says they all plotted together, all of their enemies plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But listen to the first thing that they did. First thing they did. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. You see, they didn't want to fight. They didn't go looking for a fight, but they were in a fight whether they wanted to be or not. Their enemies plotted to come and fight against them and stir up trouble against them and their instant reaction was to pray. Prayer wasn't an afterthought. Prayer was their first thought. Prayer wasn't the only thing that they did. We'll see that in a minute. But this is important. Prayer, when they were faced with a fight, prayer was the first thing that they did. And prayer must be the first thing that we do if we're going to fight for our families. I'd love their testimony to be your testimony this year. You know, the enemy of our soul plotted to fight uh, against us, but we got on our knees and we prayed and God fought for our family. You know, fighting on your knees doesn't, doesn't seem too smart. Seems like a silly, you know, kind of thing to do. I'm just going to invite Isaac in here for a minute. Give Isaac a big welcome as he comes up. Come on, Zachy. For those of you who don't know Isaac, Isaac is uh, Andrew and Chrissy's third son. And I would say from about the age of four, whenever I walked into a room, it didn't matter whether it was church, whether it was their lounge room, whether it was our lounge room, or whether we're out at a picnic somewhere, what is the first thing you always tried to do and have still tried to do since you're four years old when I walk into the room? I'll beat you up. Pardon? Beat you up. Yes, just show everybody what you try and do. Come on, go and give us a bit of your best. Come on. Now, I'm still... Every... Yeah, exactly. That's what he's been doing since he's four years old. Didn't matter. Whenever I walked in the room, Zach just instantly wanted to punch me. I don't know if his dad had taught him to do it or what it was, but I'm still just big enough to kind of control him and, and beat him in a fight. I don't think it's going to last much longer, but uh, I still can to this day. But if I get on my knees, this is a different story. I actually feel I'm pretty vulnerable down here, and the fight changes. All right, Zachy, give us your best go. <laughs> You got a bit of stage fright, didn't you? He's been wanting to kick me in the head for about for, for 10 years. But the fight changes when you're on your knees. I'm going to let Zachy go. Give him a big hand. See, when you're on your knees, you're actually much more vulnerable to attack. Humanly speaking, it seems like a crazy thing to do. But when we get on our knees and pray, this is the reason it's the smartest thing you can do and it should be the first thing you do when you fight for your family. When you get on your knees and pray, you're inviting God into the fight. And I don't care what's coming against you. I don't care how big the attack is that you're walking through as a family. God is bigger and he's stronger and he's wiser. And you can't. You can't fight the fight in your own strength and your own wisdom for your family, for your family to be all that God designed it to be. 
But God will fight for you if you get on your knees and invite him into the fight. Nehemiah had no physical walls. They weren't strong enough. They didn't have a big enough army. They had no, no, no physical human way of protecting their family. When, when the army coming against them was bigger than them. And so they immediately got on their knees and they prayed. And they recognized they needed God's strength and God's wisdom and God protected them from their enemy. This is the thing I want you to remember. When you fight for your family on your knees, the Lord will fight for you. It's a great story in Matthew chapter 15 of a Canaanite woman, which means she was outside of God's chosen people at the time. She was a different culture. You know, she was, she, was, uh, she was outside of the people who worshipped God in the way that they thought uh, God needed uh, to be worshipped. But she comes, in Matthew chapter 15, she comes to Jesus. And her daughter is, is suffering terribly. You know, she's possessed, you know, by, by demons and she's unwell and she can't function, you know, properly, you know, in, in society. And she's desperate to see her daughter healed by Jesus and she's seen that Jesus can heal people like that. And so she comes to Jesus, but she's got all of these obstacles to overcome. Firstly, she is the, from the wrong religion. She's the wrong gender. A woman wasn't allowed to come to a rabbi in this situation, in that culture at the time, and ask anything of a rabbi. It had to be the husband that came. And we don't know where the husband was, but he didn't come. She did come. So she has a religion uh, against her. Her culture is against her. Her gender uh, is against her. And then when she gets there, the disciples of Jesus told her to go away. And so she's discouraged by Jesus' disciples. And then lastly, it says in Matthew 15, I'll let you read the whole story later, that Jesus was silent. At first, when she cried out to Jesus, Jesus was just silent. Have you ever had that happen in prayer? You're actually crying out to God for something to happen and there's silence. This woman has got incredible barriers to overcome as she's fighting for her family. But she did not give up. And it says here in, in Matthew 15, verse 25, it says, The woman came and knelt before Jesus. She got on her knees. It's a picture of submission and it's a picture of desperation. It's saying, only you can do this, Jesus. I'm desperate for you to do this for my daughter. And she says, Lord, help me. And this is what Jesus said to this woman who's overcome all of these barriers she had to, to fight for her family in prayer. Jesus says this, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that moment. We don't know how long she'd been struggling in this family. But because this woman got on her knees and prayed and she invited Jesus into the fight... There was healing that got poured out in her family. You know, today, a different culture, different time, fast forward 2,000 years, but we face many challenges. We face discouragements in prayer. At times we pray and it feels like heaven is silent. I want to encourage you today to fight for your family on your knees and not give up. This is what I actually got 
Three really simple, practical things I want to help you remember to fight for your family today. Firstly, I actually literally want to encourage you, if you're physically capable of it, when you pray for your family to get on your knees. You you might pray for other things in a whole bunch of different other ways. You might love to walk and pray. You might sit on a milk crate and pray. You You might love to listen to worship music and dance around the house in your pink tutu and pray. I don't care. You know, do, do whatever you like the rest of the time that you're praying. But this is what I encourage you to do. Because we get so distracted and so discouraged and often we forget, we get busy and weary from work and we forget to pray for our family, make it a daily habit to actually get on your knees at some point and just pray for your family. If you've got kids that are still little, Kneel beside their bed as they're going to bed and pray over them. If your kids have got to an age where they find that creepy, kneel beside your own bed and pray for them. You know, if you're an old grandpa like me and your kids are fleeing the nest, just find a time to get your easy walker out and kind of let yourself down, you know, onto your knees. But I want you to do this physical act to help us to remember to fight for our family on our knees. Wherever you see anybody in your family that's not living in the fullness and the freedom of what Christ has won for us, pray for that. Pray for salvation. Pray for healing. Pray that they would be set free from addiction. Pray that relationships would come back together. Pray that our kids would be secure in Christ. Pray that they'd know how much they love. Pray that they discover their purpose. You know, whatever it is that you need to fight for, make it a daily habit to get on your knees and to fight for your family. Because when you fight for your family on your knees, the Lord will fight for you. He wants to bless your family. We've sung about it already this morning. Secondly, after they prayed, and the first thing they did that they prayed was pray, they picked up some other weapons. It says this, verse 13, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. I actually picked up some serious looking weapons, a sword that probably looked, you know, a little bit like this. And they stood beside families with weapons ready to fight. And I want to remind us today, there is a battle going on in the skies and you need to pick up your sword and fight. Some of you know the battle that's going on in the skies right now. You've experienced it in the last few weeks. Just have a look on the screen. It looks a little bit like this. You know, there's a battle going on in the skies. There's, there's an attack that's happening, you know, in, in, in the skies. Some of you, anyone had that in the last few weeks, riding your bike? You know, that's happened to me just in the last month. It would be so much better if I had a sword while I was riding my bike. I could just shish kebab that magpie. You know, just a, a, a few years ago now, about this time, I hate magpies, I'd love to shish kebab one. You know, just about this time of the year, a few years ago now, I was swimming laps at Cleveland Pool and I got just near the end uh, to turn around and I just felt this whack on the back of my head and it felt like someone had dived into the pool 
too soon and they kicked me as I'm getting near the end of the pool. And then I looked up to see who it was and there was nobody around me. I'm thinking... What is going on? I'm, I'm going senile. You know, and I, I swam another lap and I got back up to that end of the pool and almost exactly the same place, whack, on the back of the head. I thought, again, someone's dived into the pool and kicked me on the head. This time I looked up and there's a mother duck with her beak open like this, attacking me. I'd got too close to a nest and every time I got to that end of the pool, she was just going at me with her beak and I wished that day I was swimming with a sword and I could just shish kebab that duck. This is true, just only a few weeks ago now, I was running, you know, along the waterfront. Uh, I'm not a triathlete, by the way, I just sort of have seasons coming in and out of exercise, and at the moment I'm running. And uh, I, I, was, uh, I, I was running, and, and I saw this couple walking towards me that must have been 100 years old. They were like great, great, great grandparents. They couldn't hurt anything, and they had a dog which looked like a great, great grandparent. The dog was about 100 years old. And this poor old couple, I could see it coming because I'd seen it happen with other people uh, on the days before at the same spot. As they walk to this spot, all of a sudden they start getting attacked by plovers from the sky. And I'm sitting there looking at these old people panicking with plovers just swooping at them or more swooping uh, at, at their dog. And I was wishing that I was running with a sword and I could shish kebab, you know, that, that plover. All I had, you know, was the cap on my head and I'm just standing there looking like an idiot with these old people shooing away plovers and yelling at plovers. It turns out plovers don't understand English because they didn't do anything that I said. There's a battle going on in the skies and if you, there's a common theme here. If you've got a sword, you can defend yourself from the battle. The other common theme is, what are all these birds doing? They're protecting their kids. You know, a magpie won't, won't let an enemy get within about 120 or 150 metres of their nest. And so when the enemy's getting close, they choose to defend their kids. I believe that's what we're supposed to do as parents, as grandparents, as aunts, as uncles. You see, there actually is a battle going on in the heavenly realms besides all those birds that attack us. It says this, it sounds a bit spooky, but I actually think when we think about it, it's it's not very hard to believe. It says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you're kind of new to church or you're just visiting with us today, that sounds spooky. But I actually think when we think about the pain and the turmoil and the tragedy that we're seeing in families around our nation right now, it's not hard to believe that there is an enemy with a legion of demons out there that actually wants to tear families apart. Now the good news is that God loves families and he's given us weapons to fight and he lists some of them in this same passage. I just want to look at one of them today. He says, put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We actually don't have to pick up a physical sword. But God describes this as being able to wreak the same havoc, as being able 
to defend yourself in the same way as a physical sword. Being able to damage an enemy in the same way that a physical sword can, this can. This is a sword of the Spirit. We're given weapons to fight for our family. And the sword is only powerful if you pick it up. I didn't have a sword when I'm running, swimming or cycling. And so, you know, I I couldn't do anything to defend myself when I was attacked from the air. But you have been given a sword that you can pick up at any time and you can fight for your family. But you've got to pick it up. You've got to pick it up. You see, the enemy's only good at one thing. You know, the, the, the devil lies to our kids and our grandkids about their identity and their worth. He's a good liar. And there's too many families walking around defenseless against those lies. And we're seeing it all around us right now is self-harm and, and, and drug use and kids escaping reality and kids sadly taking their own lies to escape pain. And, and there are lies... He lies to us about the power that we have to win the fight with Christ. You see, the devil, our enemy, is a defeated enemy. Jesus defeated him on the cross. The devil threw everything at Jesus on the cross. All of the sin and the shame and the addiction and the sickness and the worry and the turmoil, all of the the, the damage that sin has wreaked on the world was all put onto Jesus' shoulders on the cross and it looked like he'd suffered a knockout punch. He he was crucified in, in the most horrific of ways. And then his dead body was laid in a tomb where dead people go. It looked like he'd received the knockout punch on the cross. But three days later, when when the women went to to look for Jesus' dead body, he was not there. An angel was there and says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. You see, Jesus defeated all of the power of the enemy on the cross through his death and his resurrection. I love what it says in Colossians chapter 2. It says that on the cross, you know, Jesus paid the debt for our sin and he disarmed the power of the devil. It's a great picture. On the cross, Jesus ripped the devil's arms off. He disarmed him. It's hard to fight with no arms. But the devil keeps trying to tear down our families. And so we've got to pick up the weapons that we're given to win the fight. It says this in uh, Corinthians, it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. You see, when the thoughts in your mind are contrary to the Word of God, we've got to pick up the Word and go to fight and fight. When the thoughts in our kids' minds or our grandkids' minds are contrary to the Word of God, we've got to pick up the Word of God and fight. We've got to train our kids how to fight. Some of you would say, I'm not training my kids to fight. They know how to do it really well all on their own. They're constantly picking up anything they can find and hitting each other with like swords. It's a different kind of fighting. It says in Ephesians 6, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I actually find that the most difficult verse in the whole Bible to obey. I love exasperating my children. It says, instead, bring them up 
in the training and the instruction of the Lord. You see, when we raise kids in the training and instruction of the Lord, we help them to know who they are, their identity and their worth and what Jesus has done for them. See, when you fight for your family with the sword, the Lord will fight for you. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I don't, it's difficult leading a devotion with my family, teaching the Bible to my kids. I'm no kind of theological expert. Can I just encourage you, sometimes that helps. Some of my family devotions when the kids were younger turned into 45-minute sermons with three altar calls at the end. And by the end, I had confiscated every piece of electronic equipment they had and Susan's iPhone because they were all being rude to me by the end of my devotion. Now, sometimes it actually helps. None, None of your kids need that. Let me give you a really simple and really ancient way that particularly dads would do this for their kids. We actually sang it this morning. It was the ironic blessing. Every single Friday night, a Jewish dad or a Jewish granddad would take one of their kids or their grandkids in their hands or they'd sit beside them at the table and hold their hands and they'd simply say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. These were ordinary families, ordinary struggles, you know, arguing over the remote, you know, working out, you know, how much time they should spend in front of the TV, you know, working out how they're going to pay the uh, grocery bill, how they're going to keep their business afloat. They're all different culture, but same problems, same struggles in a family that we go through. But every single Friday night, without fail, didn't matter what had happened, what arguments had happened, it didn't matter what struggles they were going through, every single Friday night, a dad would take hold of their kids and say, the Lord bless you, son, daughter. He will protect you. You're safe in his hands. Even though you've messed up this week, his face is smiling towards you. His grace is for you. He smiles at you. He loves you. There's nothing that you can do that will ever stop him from loving you. And dad would just speak over their kids the blessing of the Father in heaven. Can I just encourage us? Find some simple ways just to speak the truth of God over our kids. Whatever struggles they're going through, whatever struggles you're going through, Let them know that there's a Father in heaven who can see what they're going through and he's got a peace to give them that passes all understanding. You see, these kids in these families grew up without a shadow of a doubt that they were loved by their dad, by their granddad, you know, by the whole family and there was a God in heaven who knew them by name and had an eternal purpose for their lives. You see, the Word of God is a powerful sword. It has power to bless your kids it has power to shape their lives. It has, it has power to actually win the battle that they're walking through, to win the battle of the mind, to help us understand that God's got a great purpose for our future. Two things so far. Fight for your family on your knees. Invite God into the fight and the Lord will fight for you. And when you fight for your family with the sword. 
And you don't let the enemy get close because you're constantly speaking the truth of God over your kids. The Lord will fight for you. Lastly, never fight alone. Listen to this, verse 19 and 20. This is, again, different culture, but it's a little bit like our world this year. It says, the work is extensive and it's spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there and our God will fight for us. They're all spread apart to kind of build this wall, you know, around Jerusalem to keep their families safe. They're all spread apart, widely separated from one another. They were isolated and they were vulnerable to attack. And so when someone was under attack somewhere on the wall and others couldn't see that they were under attack, they would they blow the trumpet. And wherever the trumpet sounded, everybody else would come running and they would join in the fight. As soon as anybody heard the trumpet, it was time for the whole village to come together and to fight. Because we should never fight alone. 2020, I mean, just look around the room today. We're getting used to being spread out like this. But who's looking forward to the day that we actually give COVID-19 an uppercut and we get back to a little bit more normal and we can sit together? You know, we're more separated than we ever have before. My kids haven't been able to see their grandparents for the last six months because they live in another state where the border is closed. Many of you will have similar stories at different times this year of being separated, of being spread out, of not being together in the way that we would like to be together. And some of us, I've heard story after story, have struggled alone. And it should never happen in the church. And often we struggle alone because we don't sound the trumpet. And ask everyone to come help us. Now, if I start walking around Ormo blowing this trumpet, I'll probably get locked up. No one will come and help me. But I want to encourage us today, we've all got a trumpet. It sits in your pocket. Just grab it out right now. Come on, just show me you got one. I know you've got a trumpet. So simple. When you're spread out and your family's under attack and you're weary from work and you're fighting battles in your business and your, your kids are going through stuff that you don't understand and you're not sure what to do next, never, ever fight alone. Get on your trumpet. If you're an old person like me, make a phone call. My kids say to me, Dad, nobody rings anyone these days. Okay, if you're a young person, send a text message. You know, get, get on Facebook. Do whatever you've got to do. But this is a jolly trumpet, people. Never, ever fight alone. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for the people that have fought with us as a family over the years. When our kids were in high school, we had a couple that we would sit uh, with every second Wednesday night. We'd eat together and we'd pray for each other's families. And, and we'd ask each other how our marriages were going. And one week I was normally in a lot of trouble and then the other week he'd be in a lot of trouble. It's funny, it was only the husbands that ever got in trouble. But we were in a lot of trouble. 
But I was so grateful in the midst of that trouble. We had some people that were praying for us and were praying for our kids. When our daughter was very, very sick when she was 14 and she was in the psychiatric ward at Logan Hospital, it was the darkest time in our family. I find it hard sometimes to go back to that six or nine months and, and, and kind of walk through the sequence of events again. By far the darkest time in our family. I wasn't sure whether our daughter was going to survive. And we had a group of people on the other end of the trumpet. Every day, we'd send them a prayer request for Bronte. And we'd just keep asking them and asking them and asking them to fight the battle with us. And we believed that God was going to do a miraculous work in her life. And he did. And he has. And we're now on the other side of it. But I tell you, when we were in it, we needed some people to fight for us. I'll always be grateful for that group of people. Every Thursday morning, no, sorry, every second Thursday morning, I've got a, a group of guys that meet in my office at 6 o'clock and we just pray for each other's families. Through the seasons, there's been different ways that, as a, as a family, we've needed to do this. I just want to encourage you, whatever season you're in, never, ever fight alone. Get on your trumpet. Get some people on your team. You see, when you fight for your family with your friends, the Lord will fight for you. I tried to make this as simple as I can this morning because I think this is really important for every family. There is a battle going on for families right now. I want to encourage you. Do something simple. Get on your knees every day. My grandmother prayed for me every single day of my life. She died last year. I've been really convicted. Who is she passing the baton to? You know, I, I remember my, my, when I think about my grandparents, I think of doilies and fruitcake, a lot of love and encouragement and a lot of prayer. I don't really want the doilies as a grandpa. I don't mind the fruitcake. But I want to be that person of love and encouragement and prayer for my grandkids the way that my grandma prayed for me. She's passing the baton. I wonder whether some of us today, the baton's been passed to us as grandparents, as parents. It's time to get on our knees and to fight the battle for our kids. Get on your knees, pick up your sword, speak it over your kids, speak it over your grandkids in whatever opportunity you have and never ever fight alone. Some of you today, you need to get on your trumpet. To say we're doing it tough, I need some people to pray for me. Never, ever fight alone. I reckon there's someone here today who God just wants me to remind you it's not too late to fight for your family. It's never too late to fight for your family. You're never too old, you're never too young. Through the centuries, men and women have fought for their families and the Lord has fought for them in miraculous ways. When they were going through really tough times, You know, Moses fought to deliver his family and the Lord delivered the entire nation of Israel from slavery. Noah fought to protect his family and built a ridiculous boat in the middle of the desert and the Lord saved the whole world from destruction through his family. 
Joseph, despite everything his family had done to him, forgave his family and fought for his family. And the people of God were preserved when it looked like they were going to be wiped out. David fought the giant that was pestering his brothers and his family. And God made him the greatest king in all of history. Esther risked her life before an evil king to fight for a family and God saved the whole nation from extermination. Nehemiah called a community to fight for their families and the Lord fought for them. And this is the bit we've got to understand. Those walls that they were building, they're still standing today. And God's plan for his people and for this world are still unfolding in the same way that they were all the way back then. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He has power today. And if you fight for your family to be all that God designed it to be, the Lord will fight for you. And he will do miraculous things fight on your knees, fight with your sword, pick up your trumpet and never fight alone. When you fight for your family, the Lord will fight for you. Can we stand together this morning? I'd love to pray over some parents and some grandparents in just a minute. We're just going to begin just by uh, singing the chorus of a song that just says, this is how we fight our battles. We trust God in the middle of the battle. Just as Casey and the team lead us in this song, I, I just want to encourage you to, uh, to, to walk to the front. If today you'd say, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a great-grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, whatever, whatever role you play in the family right now, you just say, I want to be that kind of parent, that kind of grandparent. I, I, I actually want to fight for my family to be all that God designed it to be. I'd just love to pray a blessing over you today. I'd love to pray a blessing over your family. I don't know the battle that you're fighting right now, but God does. I want to pray that he'd give you wisdom and strength to fight this battle. If you just love to, uh, to get, I'm going to get the whole church praying for you just uh, as we stand down the front here this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.